If we'll open up our Bibles this morning to the book of Matthew, and we're going to hit two different areas of the Bible this morning before I actually start speaking on them. But if we'll start at Matthew in chapter 7, of these two passages, we're going to have to look at them together to see how they um, work together when it seems like they don't on first surface. Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 1, and it sounds like it's quiet on the page ruffling, so I'm going to go ahead and start. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when you at the same time have a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, then they may trample them under your, their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. And then let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to start at verse 6. And we'll read, I'll wait for Paige Ruffling to get quiet. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 6. Your boasting is no good. Do you not know that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast, that you may be a new batch without yeast, as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old yeast, the yeast of malice and wickedness, but with the bread without yeast, the bread of sincerity and truth. I have written you in... In my letter, not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In this case, you would have to leave this world. But now I am writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother who is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. With such a man, do not even eat. With business, is it What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked man from among you. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and active in our lives today. I ask that you take this message today and you put it on the hearts of your people here today and those that will be listening online, God. And I just ask that uh, people would gain an understanding of what you're trying to say through this word, uh, these passages. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been working our way through a series the last couple of weeks, and we're going to continue it today, of things the Bible doesn't say. The Bible doesn't actually say that. And this week, the one that I want to hit, and I think it's the one that's going to probably be the most challenging out of my passage, is, um, is the Bible does not say not to judge people. That's a hard one to say. That the Bible, it doesn't say not to judge people. People have a hard time with that because we live in a politically correct society these days. And politically correct is kind of um, to be quiet and not to be um, judgmental of people, to let people live their own lives, let people do their own things. And it's not our job to judge people. And you know, Paul touches on that in 1 Corinthians there, and he says, you know, there's, there's some you do, some you don't. 
there's a right way, there's a wrong way. And so, you know, the first passage I read to you guys this, this morning was in Matthew chapter 7, and Jesus does in fact say right there not to judge if you go back to it. And it, it almost seems contradictory, and that's why I wanted to get both these passages out and clear in the open. But in Matthew chapter 7, it says, Judge not, lest you be judged. And, uh, you know, that's true. You can't look at somebody and measure them and, and look at the deficiencies in their life and expect, um, you know, your own deficiencies not to be brought to the surface. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, it, it's, um, you know, this do not judge, though, it's, it's, we look at that little passage right there and we forget the Corinthians one that says that we're supposed to look at people and judge them with a certain um, level of standard inside the church. But we want to use this one and say, no, it says do not judge. You know, I, I had a friend, actually he was my co-worker and uh, good guy, God-believing guy. And we went rounds and rounds on this over the years because I've always felt that there is a place where we are supposed to, you know, judge the character of people. And it's hard to say that because the word judge or judgment in our society has got a very negative thing about it. You know, um, but there is a place to judge. And, uh, you know, we look at it as, as if uh, we shouldn't judge because what other people do is not my business. It's not my business. And that's true in some cases. But Never get involved, and we're not supposed to get involved in the lives of those around us. It's like, it's not my problem. It's not my place. Um, but in Matthew chapter 7, we got to look at the context of this because he is teaching against an inappropriate form of judgment. And it's true, there is a very inappropriate judgment, the kind that condemns somebody, the kind that destroys somebody's heart, the kind that can destroy somebody's idea of who God is the kind that can destroy somebody's idea of what the church is, um, the kind of judgment that comes from, um, I don't know how else to say it, but the stupid stuff. You know what I mean? I'm going to judge that person because they come into the church and they look kind of funky or they got some, you know, they look like they fell in the tackle box. You guys know the type. <laughs> Looks like they fell head first into the tackle box. I love those kind of people, man. I have met some serious Christian people that got some serious metal stuck to their face, and that's cool. It's not my thing. That's cool if it's your thing. That's your business. But to say you can't come in. You know, I think I've shared this story before. There was a church in, in Green River where we went to, um, and we had a young family come in, and they started coming to church regularly, started coming to Bible study, bring their kids to children's church, you know, having a good time. Beautiful little kids. Um, this dad always wore a, a dress shirt with a tie. But you could tell, like, he just had, like, that funky hair, you know what I mean? Like, he used that bedhead stuff that you can make it stick at any angle you want. And he had the earring things that stretch your earlobes out a little bit, you know, and you could see a little bit of ink coming out, you know, no regrets across the neck, that kind of stuff. And um, But, man, when you would sit and talk to this guy one-on-one, -on -one, when you would sit down and have a conversation with him over a cup of coffee, this guy knew who Jesus was. This guy knew who Jesus was to him. And um, he told me one time that they were going to another church in Green River because they had moved up for work. They came to this other church. They'd been going for a while. They were well-received. And he went to the pastor after service one day, and he said, hey, pastor, he says, I know that your church practices official membership. He says, and we would just love to be a part of your church and pursue membership with your church. Um, you know, what do I need to do to do that? And the pastor's like, 
we're not gonna we're not gonna have you do that. And he said, why? He said, well, you know, the tattoos and the piercings that's not very acceptable, and so we can't have you be a member. You're welcome to come, but you can't be a member because he has some ink. I mean, can you imagine? I you want to take the back end of a fish and slap this guy in the face with it because he did this, but. How dare you talk to someone like that? That is the kind of judgment that destroys. That is the kind of judgment that he's talking about here. Is you're going you're gonna to tear somebody apart about something like that. Maybe those tattoos that he got are something that he got you know, before his faith, if they're ones that are naughty or ones that have ideas on them that are not Christian. And um, you, know, you can't judge him for that. That's his old man. You know? Bring him in for who he is now. Look at who he is now. Don't judge him that way. You're going to talk to him about his tattooings. Let's talk about what's going on that nobody else at church knows in your life. Because you're taking the time to destroy a guy for something like this, and you've got all this going on right here that's a bigger stack than what you're seeing in this guy. You see this little piece of sawdust going on in this guy's life. you got a lumber yard going in your life, and you think you have the right to say, hey, you got sawdust in your life. That's the kind of judgment he's tearing about. Or the kind where, oh, you know, that person just doesn't look like they belong. And man, I have seen some crazy people come into some churches over the years. You know, I've seen some crazy people talk to me about their faith that are just, you know, they just don't look like they're going to be at the next Ravi Zacharias conference. They just don't. Or they don't, they talk weird. Or they got weird ideas about the end of the world, you know, or, or whatever. And, you know, Nicole Nordeman sang a song the last several years ago about weirdos that she would meet on the street, and she says, I forgot that I was looking at a son of God. I forgot that I was looking at a child of God, you know what I mean? Because I was looking at myself. And I think one of the things that we do as as people, I'm not going to say as Christians, but as people, is we have a real tendency to go after people and judge them over trivial things like that. Um and you know why I think it is? And I mean, I'm guilty of this too. You know why I think that we do that? It's because I think it helps us soften the insecurities we have in our life, and how we feel about ourselves, the deficiencies we have, and it kind of helps us feel better about who we are because we can look at somebody and go, oh, well, their marriage is in shambles. You know, if he was at home a little bit more, maybe he wouldn't have lost his wife. You know, instead of saying, man, that really stinks that they lost their, their marriage, you know, and, and oh, you know, but... We want to go out and, and we want to feel good, like, well, my marriage looks great. It's, you know, if he wasn't, you know, he didn't work so much. You know, we don't we don't want to look at it, you know, that way. But Jesus Himself, He modeled how to judge people rightly. You know what I mean? Um, because there is a right judgment, there's a wrong judgment. You know, He became a man. Jesus did. He became a man. And he was able to show us as he was a man here on earth and what was written about him, the right way to look at people, the right way to love people, the right way to um, judge people. I don't know what other word to use besides judgment, but hold people accountable or whatever you want. And every time that he went through and he put judgment on somebody, and he did that, it's written in there, he judged people. He didn't do it like, let me feel better about you. Let me totally condemn you to the depths of hell. But he did it in love. You know, Look at the lady that came and she was caught in adultery, thrown at the ground, and everybody wants to throw rocks. 
and he draws a line and says, whoever is without sin, cast the first stone. He's casting judgment at this lady too. And she's there and he says, who are your accusers? There's no one. And he says, go and sin no more. And that was such a beautiful judgment because he was saying, you know what, lady? He's like, what you're doing is vile. What you're doing is disgusting. What you're doing does not belong in somebody that is a child of mine. But I love you. Don't do that anymore. You need to stop. And he tells all of that, you know, in the condemnatory. I mean, have you ever felt conviction in your heart? Like, oh man, I just read that passage and that one beat me up. And I got something in my life I need to deal with. And it needs to be dealt with. And, and you know, that's him. And fortunately, as us, we're a church and we're a family. And we're supposed to go together on that and help each other on that journey lovingly, like he tells us to. He expects us to act as he acted. You know, um, Joram, come here really quick. When we judge right, it's constructive. You know, sit down. Sit down, all right? I see you didn't pick up your room this morning. All right. And you left your cereal bowl in the sink. Again, what's your problem? Hmm? What is your problem? Oh, really? And why why do I have to push you to do your homework every day? What's your problem? You're not the kind of kid I want to love. This is not what I wanted. What's your problem? You know, why don't you quit being such an idiot? You're a fathead. I don't even want anything to do with you. How did it make you feel? Well, what, would it, what happens when Dad comes in and says, you know, Joram, me and Mom have provided you a pretty nice house to live in, and we expect you to respect us and respect that home by making sure your room is picked up. Can you please pick up your room from now on? And, you know, I shouldn't have to tell you to pick up your room. Just pick up after yourself. And you left your cereal bowl out again, dude. Can you take care of that? I mean, you know, and let's remember that before you go play with Zephyr, you're supposed to do your homework first, so make sure you get it done, please. All right, if you don't, you know, I'm going to have to talk about it. How did that feel? It kind of made you feel a little bit like a jerk, but it made you go, oh, well, yeah, Dad uh, wants me to do things right, huh? Right? That's how God does it to his children, isn't it? Could you imagine if he just totally destroyed us? You know, people talk about how they go, I can't go to church because I'll get struck with lightning and I'll get destroyed. That's not the God I serve. That's not the God I serve. You know, he might he might deal with some stuff. And I think people are, are worried about being convicted when they go to church. And you know what? I think every single one of us should be worried about getting convicted when we go to church. But it's good because he gives loving spankings. He really does. I don't know how else to say it. You can go sit down. <laughs> you know. And, you know, there are just... Um, he expects us to act. We shouldn't stand self-righteously at people and judge them. You know what I mean? Like, I am better than you, and this is why. That is, that's the wrong judgment. The right judgment is helping people see in God's word where he would want them to be. It's okay. One of the things that happened to me when I was a young believer was I was like, I was like Junior Casanova when I was in high school and started college. I was, it was like girl of the week, you know, like always dating different ladies, 
date, date, date. I got to have a girlfriend, always dating. And I actually went to a, like a youth convention kind of thing in Denver. And the guy that was the youth leader after we got done the service, and of course I had a sweetie with me, you know, we were on this trip. Is he says, Zach, um, I need to speak with you. When, you know, we get up to our rooms and get settled, I need to speak with you. So I go in and he had his wife with him. And they brought me into their room and they sat me down in the chair and he's like, you need to quit doing what you're doing, dating women so trivially, trivially. He said, you know, and I'm like, what? I'm here at church with this lady. What's your problem? You know, like, what is your deal? And he just was like, you know, he goes, you should be pursuing young ladies in the fashion of looking at them as, is this somebody that I want to spend my life with? Is this some, he says, you shouldn't be dating to date. He says, you should be dating to court. And I mean, I'm sitting here in this chair and going, you're a jerk. What's your problem? You know, I mean, I, I'm not saying that, but I'm like, eh, and I'm just like mad. You know what I mean? Like, what is your issue? And um, he's like, I just want to tell you that. Like, he says, you are a Christian man. He says, and you shouldn't be just dating to date. He says, you should be dating for a mate. You should be dating for somebody you want to spend your whole life with. And he says, in every step along the way, you dating a gal should be that. And if you find out that that lady is not somebody that's going to work as a spouse, he says, then you need to move on. He says, and that's okay. But I was so mad. I was so mad that I just fumed all the way home, and then I took his advice. I was so mad. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I'll try this not dating for a while. And wouldn't you know it, that when I did that, I ended up having a lot more, like, just being a kid more, you know what I mean, being a young guy more. And then wouldn't you know it, that just through just being who I was and hanging out with people, that he would deliver to me, God would deliver to me, the person that was supposed to be my spouse. So much so that it was so weird to grow up in a town of 12,000, bigger than here, but not a big town. You know, I mean, my graduating class, I think, had 300 kids in it. Tim graduated 99, I graduated 2000. Same high school. A lot of similar friends. I didn't even know she existed until God said, here's your bride. And I had to tell that guy and his wife actually last year, and unfortunately he passed away last year, but before he passed away, I was over at his house and I was helping him cut down a tree in his backyard, his front yard actually, that I had to thank him for that advice. You know what I mean? So for us to go into the church... And for us to go in and be with our family in the church and have someone just come to us in a loving way like that. Because he didn't do it to be like, you know, condemn me in a, in a harsh way, but just to, to show me the path that I should take. And we, that we can just get so much from that, you know what I mean? Through that create, that, that lovingly, loving Christ-like correction and exposure of what's going on. Because sometimes when you're involved in something, or you're doing something that needs to be talked about, you may be totally unaware. But when it's brought to you lovingly, you know, then you can get to the next step in your faith. You can get to the next step in your relationship with Jesus Christ because someone loved you so much that they would take the time to share that with you. And that was what he was, Paul was talking about with the Corinthians here, is they had this guy that is um, having a, an indecent relationship with his stepmom. And it's just going on. Everybody in church knows this is going on. And they're not saying anything. They're not doing anything about it. And it's making this guy sick, spiritually. 
making the church sick spiritually. And so Paul says, you know, you guys have probably heard that Jesus said, do not judge, and he's right. But there's a time and there's a place where we need to just sit down and we need to, to lovingly talk to people and not allow that in there. And if they're going to continue to be that way, then maybe we need to just, you know, they, they used to call it the nasty word excommunicate, and we're not, I'm not going to excommunicate anybody, maybe you. But, um, <laughs> but, but, um, oh, I'm sorry, I just totally fall apart on this. But, you know, they get removed from it to protect the church, but they also get removed so that they can take the time and hopefully come back to what God has for them because he has something great for them. It's not that you're a terrible person. We're all terrible. We all got things that are totally condemnable in our lives. We all do. Um, you know, even Kim, she she said no, but she does. And, you know, and so, <laughs> so if we claim to be brother and sister in Christ, we must be consistent in our fruit and show it, you know, because it's important to address situations before it hurts others. And, you know, bring that wayward person back into the fold. God expects us to lovingly hold, lovingly hold each other accountable. You know, I've told you guys about my buddy, um, Josh and Casper, accountability buddy. People just call me sometimes or text me and ask me how things are going. And, you know, I might have to share him a struggle, you know, and he does the same with me. Hey, man, I'm having a hard time with this. We have to hold each other accountable. Paul calls out the church for not holding people accountable in Corinth. You know, um, God formed the church for community, for us to be together, for us to fellowship together, to do life together. He put us together, too, to be accountable to each other, you know, and for us to be honest with each other, for us to have integrity with each other. And it's okay, you know what I mean? I have, I have feared before somebody's going to find out you know what I mean? In my life, something that's going on. Somebody's going to find out, and they're going to they're going to totally rip me apart. But in the church, it shouldn't be like that. You know, we should be able to come in. It's a hospital. It's for sick people. Sick people have illnesses. Sick people have cancer. Sick people have stuff. You come into the church, you come to find the cure for that. But it has to be diagnosed. You can't fix something that you don't know about. It can't be fixed without a diagnosis. So we have to diagnose it so that we can help people get cured and they can move on with their life and it's okay it's good it's healthy um, so i just encourage you you know that you know we as a people have to quit looking at people in a condemnatory judgmental fashion because that is true people see the church doing that and there are churches that do that but at the same time when we have people in fellowship with us we have to be willing and bold enough and love them enough and love the church enough to say, hey, you know, I just wanted to meet with you one-on-one -on -one and tell you what I saw, and I want to help you over. Or, you know, you should go talk to the pastor about your struggles or something, you know, to help people. That's what we do. We love each other, and that's how we grow together.